podcast ministry of New Philadelphia Nazarene. In this podcast, we take some time each week to go just a little bit deeper on the teaching topic that we covered from the previous weekend. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to stay on when we finish our discussion today for additional information about the ministries of New Philadelphia Nazarene. Well, welcome to the very first episode of After Hours. My name is Mark Maddox. I'm the lead pastor here at New Philadelphia Nazarene, and I am joined today by my partner in crime and my good friend, Pastor Kevin Diatori. Why don't you say hi, everybody, Kevin? Hello, everyone. I am here. Well, that's about as riveting as it's going to ever get from Kevin. Hopefully, he'll wake up a little bit as we move along. The purpose of this podcast is to basically take a little bit of time. One of the things that Pastor Kevin and I discovered is that often we would sit down in my office uh, come Monday, Tuesday, sometimes Wednesday afternoon, and we begin to have some follow-up discussion to the message that had been preached on the following weekend. And uh, we thought it might be good to share some of these discussions with y'all and let you kind of hear about some of the continuing thoughts regarding what we have been teaching about. So we began a new series on the book of James a couple of weeks ago. The book of James is a great uh, book of wisdom. In fact, sometimes people call James the Proverbs of the New Testament. James, of course, was brother of Jesus, and if we know the history on James, we know that James was not a fan of Jesus at the beginning, didn't believe that he was who he said he was. But in the end, James ended up being a prominent leader in the church, and he wrote one of of the most significant books that we find uh, in the New Testament, and that, of course, is the letter by James. The book of James, only five chapters long, but packed full of great content. This last Sunday, we preached, or I preached rather, on uh, verses 12 through 18, and I'm just going to read those verses, and then we're just going to kind of get into some uh, impromptu, completely unscripted conversation. How does that sound, Pastor Kevin? Yep, I'm in. All right. Verse 12 of chapter 1, and I'm reading from the New International Version, says this, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he had created. I'll begin here by just kind of uh, towards the towards the end of last week's message, I kind of give three three core things that I that I say, and the, and the first one is this: that the trials and temptations that are an inevitable part of life provide us an opportunity for life or for death, and the the choice the choice is ours to make. So, in other words, we're going to face um, some tough stuff in life. Uh, we're going to face some 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 things that are very um, adversarial. Um, and how we respond to those is what really uh, determines the outcome and determines the value of those things. Yeah, um, the idea here is patience to endure that uh, through the testing, through the uh, through the temptations. Uh, I think we want quick fixes, we want quick answers, and and when we do that, we take our lives into our own hands rather than giving them up to the one who is giving us the power to get through those even. Um, and I think that sets the tone for 
how we live our lives each and every day. Because you never know what life's going to throw at you um, when you wake up in the morning or before you go to bed at night. Yeah, and and I think, you know, right now, obviously, in, in this season that we're in right now, everybody's thinking about, you know, COVID-19, the coronavirus, uh, the whatever you want to call it. Um, and people are seeing this as a trial that they're going through. You know, I, I don't know what... What are some of the temptations, I guess? Maybe that's something to think about. What are some of the temptations that we face as we're going through trials like this? Mm. <laughs> is, that, is that a tough question? Hmm. I don't know if I was ready for that one. Well, um, you know, we're just we're just uh, shooting from the hip here, Kevin. Well, you know, I'm a lover of cupcakes. Um, so yes. one, of, <laughs> that's a great one, temptation. one of my temptations is has, has been... You know, uh, well, I've got this extra time and I'm near the snack pantry. So where I'm normally filling time, going out, doing things, uh, visiting with people, uh, leading a group in person rather than on Zoom, because let's be real, when you're Zooming, you know, you can sneak a snack in if you have to. I'm right. just saying the temptation, honestly, to eat unhealthier or is that is that I don't know. If, anyways, that's been there for real. I mean, it, it was crazy. I, I was telling you all earlier when this first started, it was great because like we didn't go out to eat anymore or anything like that. It's not like we went out a lot, but we started out eating much healthier and I, I was doing great. I, I was down like 10 pounds. And then like this three week, almost three week thing hit where I was kind of stuck in the bedroom dealing with an illness and I came out three pounds heavier than I was when this all started. And it's, it's really, so the temptation is, is even... I, I, so let me go deeper. I think maybe the temptation is to give up time that we would give to God and family um, to other things. Um, so, so we're almost tempted um, to fill this void of time now that a lot of us have with things other than the Lord. And, and that could be food. Yeah. Um, it could be uh, time on the internet. It could be time on the TV. It could, you know, honestly be playing euchre for two hours every is that night a problem that you have or we do we we literally last night was the first night in probably over three weeks we did not play euchre with friends online do you need some counseling we do we okay. do well in all seriousness though yeah so i think that one of the temptations yeah sure uh one of the things we all desire is comfort to some degree or another we want to be comforted we want to uh we want to feel um how do I say? We want to feel uh, we want to feel comfortable. I guess there's no other way to say that. And so, when we aren't receiving some of the comforts that we might normally like, so for instance, I love a good Mexican meal. Mm. You would relate from yes. your brethren. Yes, I, I love I a good like Mexican meal. I like I like to go out and get some chips and salsa. I mean, I like I like rice with some cheese. I mean, it's just a good Mexican meal. We love to eat tlaquepaque probably one time a week, mm. and I haven't been able to do that. And so that's a comfort thing for me. And so the, the the tendency is, like I did it yesterday afternoon, and I got home from work, I was tired, uh, I was kind of just lounging in the recliner for a little bit, and I told my wife, I said, hey, I'm going to have some chips and salsa. Well, next thing I know, man, I cleared out half a bottle of salsa yeah. and probably half a bag of chips. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, those are temptations. But let's let's go just a little bit deeper. Sure. And let's talk about, like, so, so let's talk about some of the emotional temptations that we deal with um, that we face in times like this. Yeah. So by emotional, I don't know. I think this might be where you're headed. Um, but you know, everything hasn't been peachy keen between my wife and I during this time either. You mean to tell me you guys haven't been getting along every day? Not every day. 
there I find that some shocking. Days. I find yes. that shocking because my, my wife and I have, this has been the best six to eight weeks of close contact with all five of our children. It's been absolutely wonderful. Believe it or not, there was one couple we were talking to and they were like, oh man, our kids are driving us nuts, but we've never been more at peace with each other during this time. And I was like, what do you, what do you do? Do you not talk to just sit and stare at each other? Because <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's, it's like, there have been moments where I have, you know, semi planned out, you know, what's that show? How to get away with murder. Right. I mean, I'm just, no, I'm just, <laughs> we'll just edit that. We'll just edit that little part out, but I mean, that's, that's being real. That, I mean, yeah, yeah. So there is a lot of frustrations when you're living with someone and you're maybe with them more than you have been before. Yeah, Jenna started writing my obituary out for me. Well, so. <laughs> that was kind of she's she's a planner. She's she, a planner, Kevin. You is. can't blame her for planning. She is. But you're right that when we are dealing with with people and with circumstances, even people that we love very much, we love our spouses, we love our children. But when you're around each other in ways you haven't been before, that can be very taxing. Yeah, it can. And then what that can do, even to a strong Christian, because we were created for relationships anyways, but all of a, all of a sudden, you know, cause we'll talk about this, the desire for a relationship or maybe how you perceive how the old nature perceives a relationship, even the affection. I mean, I'm learning like affections greater in our marriage when I'm working and my wife's working, not, sure. not, not when we're sure. home together, because when you're at work, when you're doing stuff, uh, then I feel like when we come back together, it's more of a longing, like, I really missed you today. Right. You know, where now it's like, well, you know, <laughs> we, okay, I got to be careful what I say, but I mean, it's like, we've seen each other a lot today, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like, Hey, I'm going to, uh, you know, go drive around the cul-de-sac to get a break. So well, a- absence does make the heart grow fonder just a little bit. I believe that. So let's bring this back to, to James here just a little bit. You know, he says, listen, blessed is the one who per- perseveres in a trial because when he stands the test... That person will receive the crown of life. Now, uh, on Sunday when we were talking, when I was teaching this message, we talked about what is the crown of life. Well, that is, you know, that's God's reward of life for us. And a lot of times we place that in a whole mindset of eternity. That the the reward of life that comes from God is is going to heaven. But I mean, that's not the whole picture. You know, the crown of life, the reward of life, is not you know, your heaven ticket. I talk about that all the time, you know, getting your heaven ticket stamped and then putting it in your back pocket and then sitting on your blessed assurance until you die. What is God, I mean, what is the crown of life, Kevin, to you when you think about that? I think you live now. Uh, you know, I don't think we wait. Once again, I don't I don't think we wait to go to heaven. We usher in his kingdom now. So this whole idea of the crown of life is understanding that he is literally giving us what we need now forever. And, and, and it's our responsibility to be completely different than those who don't understand what that is, to, to emulate and reflect the opportunity of a crown of life for them. I, you know, I think of my kids uh, during this time, we, we've had a time, and how could we get through a discussion without me talking about my kids? And you're probably sitting there laughing because I always talk about my kids. I think it's awesome that you always talk about your kids. But, it me, that just shows everybody how much you love and care about your kids. I, I do, to a certain extent. Once again, obituaries are being written. But, um, um, you know, we talked about the importance of of admitting that you're a sinner and, you know, telling Jesus and God, you know, hey, I believe in you. I believe you're my Lord, my Savior. And my son's like, oh, I've done that like five times. Rylan, she's uh, about to turn seven. She's like, oh, I've done it like eight times, Daddy. I know Jesus lives in my heart. 
And, and then I'll look and I'll say, well, then why are you still doing the same things? Mm. And, and, but when I say that, I'm also preaching to myself because there's things, you know, that are deep inside, like embedded from that old nature. And to me, the crown of life frees you from that. Like, that's that whole idea. Like, you don't have to be this way anymore. Like, you're different. Like, you're wearing something. It labels you. You are my child now. It doesn't start when you die or, you know, how many years from now. Like, you're my child now. And so I have given you the freedom to live a different life, to be different than those who haven't received this crown. Yeah. So, and, and that really segues really, really well into verse 13, because then James goes on and says, listen, God is not the one who's tempting you. So when you're being tempted, when you're when you're in those situations, so like you talk about, you know, one of your kids, I've already forgotten Riley, maybe saying, oh, I've done that five times, you know, then why do you keep doing the things that you're doing? Sure. And and so the reason that we we often tend to at least revert back to doing the things that we're doing is because we're giving in to our own desires. And those desires are there whether you're five, six, seven years of age or 50, 60, or 70 years of age. Those desires are there. And so we talked about on Sunday a little bit kind of a formula uh, for, for how sin is born. This is how we laid it out. So sin starts with a desire that is that is completely flesh-driven. It, it, is, it is absent of the Spirit of God. And then desire gives way um, to being enticed into something. It's the yielding of one's will, like... like uh, you're you're giving your will into that desire and then there's this conception we talk about it's got a is a very the, the words that James uses are actually very much akin to to the uh, a woman being impregnated quite frankly without trying to be graphic or anything but that 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 the sin is conceived uh, within our spirit and then and then James says it gives birth literally you're giving birth to sin in your life and it all begins, first of all, with this desire. So why do you keep why do you keep doing the things that that you know you shouldn't be doing? I feel like here's here's the appeal of sin. If you if you're if we're gonna go, which I mean I think we should with James with this whole idea of conception. Think about when uh, between a marriage when you know a woman conceives uh, and and it's such a happy fun time. The whole process of the pregnancy, as you get closer, you're just overjoyed and, and and you can't wait and you're just lost in the moment. Right. And then this whole idea that sin gives birth to death, um, you know, in my studies and, and what I've seen and heard, many times it's this idea of a stillborn child. And 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 so it's like there's all this excitement and sin and then boom, it hits you and you realize, I mean, how terrible do we feel oftentimes, right? Right. At least at one point or another when we when we realize what what's happened with the sin that we're living, and that's why sin temporarily, oftentimes, is is very fun. It's it's this whole idea of of the pregnancy. It's you know there might be some challenges, but you're like oh, but it's just going to keep getting better, keep getting better, and you're at the top of the roller coaster, and then you realize oh, this is not what I you know what I bargained for. Well, it's an it's an exciting thing. It's an adrenaline rush. You know sure. the, the the sin. You know, we we are we have a, a sinful nature, and so those things that are feeding our flesh, whenever we're feeding our flesh, it feels good. You know, it's kind of like, it's also like you know, um, like okay, my wife loves Olive Garden. Do you like Olive Garden, Kevin? Love Olive Garden. My wife loves Olive Garden, and uh, I mean, we haven't been there a long, long time. But man, when when we lived in Arkansas, in Hot Springs, Arkansas, we had an Olive Garden right in town. Probably about once a week, I'd take my wife out there to lunch, and we would always get soup, salad, and breadsticks. Right? 
Man, soup salad and breadsticks at Olive Garden is so good. I love the Zupa Toscana soup. I love fresh, warm breadsticks and, and nice, fresh salad, nice cold lettuce. And I can sit there and I can eat that, and it's so good, and it continues to taste good. And the breadsticks never seem to ever taste bad. As long as they're coming out and they're fresh and they're hot and they've been seasoned well, I can. But after the fact, next day. It doesn't have to be next day, man. I'm talking within minutes. Like once, if you the table you got into, you have trouble getting out of. There's a problem, and I think this it's kind of like you sit there and you gorge yourself on these things. Sure, and you're like, this is so good, and man, I'm really enjoying this. And then when it's all done, you're like, oh man, what have I done? Sure, you become so numb to what's going on. Sure, you don't realize what is happening. Right. But and and so take any kind of sin. Take like adultery. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's a classic. That's a classic one because adultery, you know, is is very much centered upon our sexual drive and our sexual drive. Man, there's all kinds of chemical things happening in our body when we are engaging in something that is that is extra that is outside of the confines of what God's created for us. And so when we're doing that, it feels right. It's got to be the right thing. You're enjoying it, but then as soon as it's done, you're like, man, what have I done? Why sure. did I do this? Because there's also a part of us that that recognizes right off the bat, this is not what God wants for me. Right. And if we go all the way back to verse 12, where you know I'm reading out of the NLT, where it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they'll receive the crown of life. So it's this whole idea that if you if you give in to the desires, if you give in to the temptation, if you if you know sin is conceived and you give birth to death, basically, um, you are, you're going down a path that literally will is self destruction. Where God, you want to live a blessed life, uh, endure it, get through it, yeah. ask Him for strength, um, and you're going to receive the crown of life. And I promise, like who wouldn't want, who wouldn't choose life over death? That you know, that's just common sense. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're at, what you believe. You know, it's like most movies, the good guy always wins, right? Not all movies. Uh, that was, but that was another conversation that I had. You know, my kids are like, the good guy always wins. I go, eh, when you get older and watch a couple of movies, you'll realize they don't. Um, but people always choose life over death, and and so when you hear this, is it really worth the temporary pleasure? And 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 here's the deal: sin doesn't just affect us; it affects those around us. Mm-hmm, and good. so, is it the temporary pleasure? of what I'm feeling and getting now, is it worth destroying not only my life, but but my life in relation to others around me, um, rather than saying no to this temporary, you know, death, so that I might have a long-lasting life, not only with the Lord, but with those around me, so. Yeah, no, that's really good. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up that the impact of the decisions that we make and and the 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 rippling effect almost that occurs from from every time we make choices like that. I want I kind of want to as we I want to kind of close out on this let's talk about this real quick just this idea uh, of being a prized possession. So depending on what translation, you know, you read uh, the NIV that I'm looking at right now says he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. And I think the NLT says a prized possession. Mm-hmm. And and I love that picture um, uh, uh, of being a prized possession. And, and so this is kind of like a little bit of a holiness for our Nazarene friends out there. It's kind of a holiness discussion. But when we accept 
that sin is just going to be a part of our life. Like, well, you know, I got to sin every day and in, in like in word, thought, and deed. That's kind of some of the, the the theology that's out there that's kind of contrary to what we believe. But that we I have to sin every day. It's just part of my life. When we do that, we're rejecting the righteousness that God has offered to us. And, and, and we're rejecting the idea that we are supposed to put on the identity of Jesus Christ, that it rejects holiness. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't disagree with you on anything there. I love how James uses birth for not only sin, giving birth to death, but then comes back full circle, and he talks about God sending his son that we might be reborn, right? And what's awesome is it goes all the way back. Once again, I've heard... Pastor Alley talk about it with our kids. It goes back to the love of Christ. We were originally created to walk with God every day in the garden. And he sent his son so that we might be reborn so that we could once again become that prized, perfect perfection and or perfect possession. And we look at perfect and we, we think perfect as like, we just view it differently. You know where I'm going with this? It's like, but really what, what we mean by that is, we get freedom. We are given freedom through the through uh, being born again in Christ Jesus, so that we might be able to function in a relationship with Him and reflect Him and give Him the glory and be free from the bondage of sin that gives birth to death. So that we we can start living now. You know, um, I'm rambling now, so I'm going. Well, turn I it think over it's important for us to understand that God did not. God never created us with the idea that we, every day should be a constant struggle for us. To, to be in His righteousness. Mm-hmm. If we go all the way back to the very beginning, that was not God's intent. God did not create Adam and Eve and say, okay, now, uh, I've created you, I've created you perfect, you know, you're made in my image, and uh, every day is going to be a challenge for you. That was not God's intent. And, and so, you know, it was through Adam and Eve that we, that we experienced the fall of mankind, that sin entered the world, and now that is a reality for us, but God has offered us a, an, an, an opportunity to escape that daily battle. Now, one thing that's really important for us to understand is that just because you face temptations in life, temptations and the choice to sin are two different things. It's so important for us to understand. You know, you may be tempted, uh, you may be tempted to sit down and gorge on an entire box of Oreos, which the temptation itself is not the problem. The problem is gorging the entire box of Oreos. You may be tempted to be lured in by by pornography. That may be something that's a part of your life. It's something you struggle with. That's not the problem. The problem is giving into that desire and allowing that desire uh, to lead to the yielding of your will, which then gives birth to sin. And so we have to understand that God's righteousness and His holiness, His desire for us is that we would not have to fight that battle on our own. And so he's offered to us his righteousness. He's offered to us the gift of the Holy Spirit to help us steer away from those things. And I think that's really important for us to understand in our walk with God that every day does not have to be this constant battle. That, to me, is what the crown of life is about. That's that's the reward of life that God wants us to have. Yeah, I think that's really that's good stuff. You know, I think of a of a clay pot, a vessel, how we were originally created, and then when we sinned, it was it dropped and shattered, and and when we experience this rebirth through Christ, the pieces are put back together, but there's still cracks, right? And so, 
So there's still some, some filth that can maybe even get in through the cracks, but as the Holy Spirit sanctifies us through and through, he fills those cracks. Mm. And so it's this idea of once the cracks are, you know, filled or whatever, like we're like we're whole again in in, in a sense of, of and now we're kind of going theological, you know, and talking about sanctification, but this this idea that um even though we're made new, we're different, but we're not. Like you know what I'm like like we're we're made like we were originally created. We're not broken anymore, mm-hmm. but now God's made this broken vessel into this beautiful piece again that can be used and can be filled and can overflow because the cracks have been filled by the Holy Spirit. And and I do, I agree with you. I think that's that's the whole idea of the crown of life because who is the life giver? It's God, right? As we've received this rebirth through Jesus Christ. And that life needs to overflow out of our lives as we're these vessels that have been put back together. And I think where it gets so confusing and where people really twist this up is exactly where what you said, where people go, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to sin today. You know, I'm, I'm going to really mess up today. Thank you, God, for your grace, but nothing's going to change in my life. Like, that's the biggest bunch of hogwash I could ever heard. Well, the other thing that often happens there, too, is just when you walk into it going, I know I'm going to screw this up, and that's almost like you're giving yourself grace. And you're saying, I know I'm going to screw this up, and that's just what it is. You're discrediting what God has done for you and what the power of God can do in you. Right. That's good. I I want to tag on to that real quickly, just the whole, the imagery of the broken clay pot. So when the clay pot is fixed, it doesn't ever look the same. But those scars that you were talking about, the, the, the cracks that have to get filled, those create scars, and those scars are part of our beautiful picture. Sure. And, and so I would just say to that, you know, to some, some people sometimes like, oh, I can never be used by God. That's nonsense. Or I can never get past my, my past. That's nonsense. God can and will use you uh, regardless of um, what you have been through or what you have done or what you've experienced. God will use you. That's good. That's good, good stuff, man. I appreciate I appreciate your heart on that. And uh, for those of you who are listening today, you're kind of getting a glimpse into some of the kind of conversations that Kevin and I have from time to time. We're going to be doing this on a regular basis next weekend. Uh, Kevin will be teaching in our James series, our James Faith That Works series, and he'll be teaching on the last uh, seven or eight verses of the book of James chapter 1. And so I encourage you to join us next Sunday, uh, and we'll be continuing that series. And once you know that God loves you, we're praying for you. We're thankful that you tuned in to today's podcast. And uh, keep checking back, and we'll be back for more. God bless you. Talk to you later. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of After Hours. If you'd like more information about New Philadelphia Nazarene or any of our ministries, please come and visit us on the web at www.npnaz.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms. We would love to connect with you on a variety of different podcasts that we have coming out throughout the week. God bless you. We love you. And when we ever get out of this craziness, we hope to see you back at church. Have a great week.